0: Hi, my name's Ada Wordsworth and welcome to this Pushkin House podcast where we will be looking at the Russian youth-led climate justice movement. Obviously, the climate is a central part of Russian identity. All around the world, people associate Russia with snow and cold. This year was one of the hottest on record, with fake snow brought into Moscow to emulate the winter in time for Novigod celebrations, and the Arctic Circle recording its hottest temperature ever, 38 degrees Celsius in the town of Varyansk. The apocalyptic scenes of forest fires in Siberia, along with the photos of the Norilsk oil spill in Krasnoyarsk Krai itself caused by melting permafrost, are enough to give the impression that there is no hope in Russia. However, across the country, young people are rising up to demand their right to a safe future. I had the pleasure of interviewing three young climate activists on their motivations, hopes and experiences. Dasha Khamazova, Daria Nufrieva and Arshak Makitsian.
1: My name is Dasha, I'm from St. Petersburg, Russia Um, and I am 18 and I um, decided to join the climate movement obviously for the reason that just actions of individuals for me is not enough and I think that it's a responsibility of each engaged citizen to um, try to do something political, try to push the agenda to make the government hear um, our voices and for me personally it's very important because climate change is a huge problem and unfortunately the government is not doing much so that's why um, i think most of you are uh, most of us are um are in the fridays for future movement
2: Uh, my name is daria nufriva i'm from rikutsk russia it's in siberian region uh i'm 22 years old uh, climate activist
3: i'm a check from moscow and I am twenty-six years old, so, and yeah, I decided to become a climate activist because, like, uh, almost two years ago, when Fridays for Future started, there were a lot of strikes in everywhere, and in Russia, no one was even talking about climate crisis, and everyone was silent. It was strange that something huge happened in the world, and feel yeah, like everyone is silent about it. That's why I started to strike every Friday here. <laughs>
4: And so, is the response generally the same in each of your cities to your strikes, or is there more of kind of a police presence in Moscow or St. Petersburg than in Irkutsk? Um, How have you found operating in different cities and the different responses there?
2: Uh, Yeah, there's a difference between uh, central part of Russia and the regions. So I'm from region, so from Siberia, and uh, here it's a bit harder to gather people to arrange a um, strike offline, I mean, because uh, here I can say, people are a bit uh, more skeptical about all that, and uh, I can say that they are just uh, don't believe too, too much, and uh, they I believe not believing in uh, climate change, but they uh, don't believe they can change something.
1: Yeah, from what I um, from what I have seen from the strikes that I have uh, been to, um, obviously the response is uh, great from the young generation. It's not huge. It's not like um, we can see in Europe or other countries where thousands of people go on the streets. But I think again, it's just it's not because people are. Um, lazy or unaware but just because of the culture and I think that generally um, like strike culture in Russia is not very well developed is and is not very popular and that maybe hinders and maybe fear I assume that it might be another issue um, fear even um, in my school in Russia um, when people found out that I was striking um, some teachers gave me um, very weird looks and talks about that um, because of the fact that I can be um, detained or can go to jail and this sort of stigma of uh, people like activists who are striking. Um, I think that was that was my experience. Um, in St. Petersburg, it's not that huge as, um, I think, in Moscow, the amount of um, participants, amount of strikers
4: um and in moscow ashak i know that you've been arrested a couple of times um has that police presence increased as you've been doing the strikes
3: uh, yeah the last month uh, after the pandemic situation began it's quite difficult to strike in moscow and everywhere in russia so yeah you cannot be arrest can be arrested even for a single strike yeah and the situation with awareness about climate crisis it's changing quite fast. As like I am striking 78 weeks, and like uh, I think last months, uh, and it was better. Like uh, when there were floodings in Irkutsk, and there were huge uh, forest fires in Siberia, and uh, when our independent media started to talk about crisis, uh, climate crisis, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's now better than like two years ago when everyone was silent about climate. Uh, yeah, but it's not like in Europe because in Europe you are talking about climate change in schools and there is educa- education about it, and it's much better, and it's much easier to organize <laughs> something like a movement and to raise awareness by your by activism. So yeah, we're trying to to do something and trying to. Uh, raise awareness through our activism but it's quite uh, difficult and it's uh, it's dangerous maybe yeah
4: yeah um and so what do you think is the main barrier stopping people from getting more involved in climate justice in russia because being in russia the climate crisis is so visible you know you can see that the temperature is going up so dramatically that there are all these freakish natural events Um, And people, in my experience, people would comment on that when I lived in Moscow in the winter that there wasn't the same amount of snow that there was normally. But the people just not believe that it's caused by humans or they don't think that it's a big deal. Or people just not interested or maybe scared. What do you think?
2: Um, I think they are not, uh, people are not uh, aware enough of that. I think it's worse than... People, uh, as I said, uh, especially adults, uh, elder people, they uh, don't believe they can change something. And uh, so as uh, Dasha said already, um, it's about so a cultural strike, like strike movements, uh, this thing in Russia is very... Uh, so people actually are afraid of that. And uh, so I think that's... Um, yeah. These things are <clears throat> most uh, mostly involved for this um this topic. Yeah. Um. And so,
4: how would people in Russia tend to explain the forest fires and the flooding, um, or is it just not shown on the media?
2: No, it was shown, but um, even even. Uh, Media um, bounded it with climate change finally, but still people, they are not ready, at least in my region, in my city, most people are not ready to to do something uh, to prevent it. So, okay, talking about a simplest thing like recycling. No, they are not ready.
4: Um, And so do you think that to an extent, part of the reason why people might be resistant to thinking about solutions to the climate crisis in Russia is because the Russian economy is so dependent on oil and gas and on fossil fuels. um, And without a viable alternative put forth to people, they perhaps don't know what can really be done.
1: Yeah, I think since uh, historically we are dependent on oil and gas, um, many people might not see an alternative because any change, any alternative uh, requires some sort of sacrifices or some sort of transitions, which I'm afraid not many, especially elder people, um, are ready to, just ready to change, ready to uh, live in a new world. And I think it can be seen, um, this like societal afraid of... um, the fear of the societal change can be seen in many other aspects, but um, in climate change as well. So I would say that yes, because of this, because of the economy, um many people are very resistant.
3: I was going to say that uh, the problem is uh, that like a fossil fuel company in Russia are government owned, so there is conflict of interests in the government. and a lot of media are owned by the government and or by the fossil fuel companies, so they were silent about climate change or climate crisis for twenty years, and it's quite difficult topic, and then it's quite difficult to uh, understand the, or every connection with forest fires, with uh, the weather, with everything. So yeah, the topic of climate change or climate crisis just be, uh, we just started the, the discussion about. It's, so it's quite difficult for people to uh, understand it and uh, our governmental media misleading people like they're saying yeah we can uh, climate was changing uh ever climate is changing yeah but we, you cannot do it, anything it's not because of human activity it's because of like something else because of the sun or whatever i don't know so yeah the problem with the media is very important and we've the conflict of interest in the government because they fossil fuel company owned by the government
2: i have something to add uh, a little thing uh talking about media so the difference between uh parts of different parts of russia uh local media uh, in my region they don't talk about us at all so uh when i tried to connect to them they, they said that like it's not uh Uh, it's not uh, something we should uh, uh, talk about so they just don't talk about us yeah
4: whereas generally is state state media is talking more about you guys Uh,
2: no independent media they talk
4: so do you guys um on kind of an individual or regional basis or more generally have connections with other um political and social movements in russia um or do you think that it's important for the climate the climate justice movement to stay separate and individual
3: uh yeah if uh about the movement we're trying to unite people behind the science yeah every person in the movement can have uh, a his or her own political views, but we are not talking about our uh, political things in the movement. But like when there happen in some protests that I cannot accept, uh, in something bad is happening, I am taking part in the protest like an individual activist. So it's yeah, like Fridays for Future movement. We not uh, we are not talking about ideolo- ideology or about political things, but we trying to change like. Uh, we're trying to change things about climate on the political level, but we are not talking about uh, political things in the movements. Yeah, so I am supporting like protests when uh, there were Moscow election protests. I took part when, when like there is happening disaster in Belarus. I we were going with other activists to the Belarusian embassy to support people there. Yeah, but like a movement, we are not doing political things.
1: Um, Personally, I'm also a part of the um, animal rights movement in my city. Um, And I know that a big part of this movement are also um, going on climate strikes. And um, I think it's amazing, because as long as people are believing in the same things that we believe, um, that we need to uh, address the issue of climate change, it is great as long as the any other not um, it is the central topic of the strike and as long as people are not trying to add some other ag- agenda to it so um, I completely agree with what Isha just said.
4: yeah, great um, how have you found the international response to what you've been doing if there has been much? you know do you feel supported by other um climate justice groups, Friday for Future groups um, across Europe and around the world?
2: Yeah, I think uh, all of us feel it. More than uh, from locals, yeah. from locals, uh, I, I mean, from regions. In, in Moscow, there are people kind of more active. So that's definitely true, that we feel uh, support from international uh, movement. Fridays for Future and other um, climate and uh, um, nature, so so this kind of uh, organizations.
4: So I was also wondering whether any of you um, knew much or had anything to say about in particular, the response of indigenous groups in Russia. So for example, the Sámi people or the Nemets, um, and if there's any, um, if they do any work within the climate movement because obviously their way of life is so specifically threatened by the climate crisis
3: uh when i was in novokuznetsk i went to the people uh, indigenous people shores uh in some village and uh and some indigenous people uh, supporting our movement and taking part in our like digital strikes and yeah when we can with supporting Indigenous uh, people, uh, yeah, because a lot of terrible things happening, especially like in regions like Novokuznetsk, where coal companies doing what whatever they want to do, and they destroying uh, uh, homes of indigenous people, they they destroying the nature. So, yeah, some indigenous people taking part in our movement when when they can, and we're trying to support them.
4: Yeah. Um, Have either of you two had any involvement in that?
1: Yeah, I think Arshak has elaborated very well on this point, but I also um, think that because most of the awareness and most of the movement is happening in the big cities, like Moscow, uh, St. Petersburg, Irkutsk, these indigenous people who live mostly in the remote parts of Russia are kind of left behind, but I hope that it um, it would be changing in the coming years, weeks. Yeah, definitely.
4: Um, So how have you guys been able to sustain this movement throughout the pandemic? Um, I'm not sure what lockdown, I know lockdowns varied a lot throughout Russia, um, but when your areas were under lockdown, were you doing things digitally? um, Or were you still going out to do single person
2: pickets? How did that work? Um, So in my region, it's still a kind of hard situation um, with coronavirus and uh, still even uh, recently uh, like uh, yesterday they uh, delayed the world cup of uh, hockey twenty world cup so they delayed it it, it uh, uh, so it was planned to be in koks but uh, so i know that uh, they um, refusing in refusing in arranging uh, that kind of things and so i even didn't try because uh, so there's no point so in my region it's still hard times because of corona
3: when the pandemic began uh, we we switched to the digital strikes and we were organizing uh, semantic uh, strikes like every week we were choosing a theme uh, and then People were joining to our digital strikes, and we organize a lot of things like that online. we organize organizing webinars and trying to do everything what we can online, but it's not so interesting, like striking offline, and it, you're not having so much impact when you're doing it just online. That's why uh, we try now to strike offline. It's quite difficult, it can be detained for that, but like. Uh, last few weeks uh, it was okay N- nobody was detained so we are hoping that we can continue our offline strikes in moscow yeah but in other cities it's uh it's uh, much more difficult because yeah there are more restrictions
4: um and was the experience in st petersburg similar dasha
1: yeah, there have been um, no major, as far as I know, there were no strikes, um, massive strikes in St. Petersburg since the start of the lockdown. So the situation is definitely worsened, but people were uh, doing online strikes, which is also great because many people were joining and young people, as far as I, I have seen, like school um, students were joining online strikes because it's obviously easier to do and there is like less responsibility, but it's great to, um, that it gave the opportunity for new people to join.
4: Yeah. Um, so in, um, I'm thinking specifically about Irkutsk here, um, has there been much pushback from the authorities? Um, because I know that in Moscow and St. Petersburg, there is a police presence at the pickets. Um, in Irkutsk, have there been arrests or people generally kind of left to Uh,
2: no nobody was arrested so I can say like before the pandemic times uh, uh, government like local government was uh, let's call it loyal so they um, (laughs) uh, accepted us and so it actually wasn't uh, uh, a problem to arrange Mm -hmm. massive strike but uh i think that uh from these times so now 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 it's problem because like, as i said hard times with corona in the region uh but i can say that so uh i think they just don't get um don't take us uh, seriously that's why uh, that's why they are um let us do it and what is the
4: age range in the strikes in your different regions? Is it still very much something that's only really attended by young people or a more kind of older adults, people who work and stuff like that getting involved?
2: Ah, uh, okay. Um, in my region, uh, different uh, people of different ages. So, yeah, surprisingly. Uh, I think because of, uh, so they all came from uh, local to global. So as I did as well, I came from a local problem of uh, Lake Baikal, which I live nearby. And so they came from that problem to global like climate changes. Yeah. And uh, I, I, we had, you uh, know, strikes people from, so, so they're kind of like, Adult, I I don't know, so so there were people of different ages, and that was very nice to see. Yeah,
4: so what exactly were the problems with Lake Baikal which led you to um, join the movement?
2: Uh, Many problems, unfortunately, and from year to year, um, um, some people added some people, I mean, the government uh, mostly they create some laws more and more. Which um, can be a big th- threat threat to Baikal. It's, um, uh, for example, the recent one about um, deforestation uh, uh, around Baikal. So it's kind of very dangerous thing.
4: Yeah. Um, and is the economy in your area dependent on Lake Baikal? like what or is it more a site of natural beauty what's its kind of relevance to you um, and to the people in Irkutsk
2: yeah tourism is a big thing here yeah because of Baikal and uh, also so my region is not uh, rich comparing to other regions in the so we have we have Baikal tourism and also uh, we have um on the north of the region, we uh, we have oil and gas yes oil. yeah
4: So I just wanted to ask one more thing on just a um more global scale um that I know that one of your demands originally was um for Russia to um get involved in for Russia to um ratify the Paris climate change agreement. Um, Has this happened? Have you succeeded in that? Is there any update there? Uh,
3: Russia ratified Paris Agreement a year ago in September. Yeah, but (laughs) they're not going to do a lot of things with that because our emission of CO2 emission in Russia uh, uh, have fallen after uh, Soviet Union collapse, so they say we have done our work like yeah, our emissions are less on 50% than 30 years ago or something like that. So they're not going to do anything about uh, uh, reduction of CO2 emission. And they're going to increase the emission. And they're going to put more money in fossil fuels. So it's like, yeah, they ratified Paris Agreement, but they're not going to do anything about climate crisis.
4: Um, and so, do you have, what are your demands now? What's Fridays for Future in Russia asking for when you protest? Uh,
3: actually, like we had meeting with our, uh, Council of uh, President about climate and we uh, we had some, our, our own demands, they're like short uh, 10 demands, but when we going, we were going to uh, Uh, send our demands we joined to the demands of the different NGOs we had voting in in our chats and we joined to the uh, like very uh, demands of different NGOs like Greenpeace and uh, WWF and other NGOs and we added some points about climate education and something like that and yeah so it's not so difficult like to stop subsidizing fossil fuels starting to do something about renewable energy and uh, about forest fires about forest. so it's uh not very difficult uh demands and the main thing is like tell the truth like they line a lot about climate crisis and the most important thing that people should know that there is happening climate crisis and we can change something we can not, not stop it but um, try to do something to uh, uh to stay in paris agreement the uh, goals like one and 1.5 five, 5 degrees so yeah
4: yeah um i also wanted to ask if you had any opinions on um the nord stream pipeline um because i know that there are now, um, after the poisoning of Navalny, um, it seems like Germany and the EU might back out of this pipeline, which will obviously have a large economic effect on Russia. Um, But do you think that more generally, the EU and Western countries who rely so heavily on Russian oil and gas need to take more responsibility?
3: yeah it's very important then you and uh, united uh, kingdom can do more about uh, helping russian activists and russian political activists uh, to change something and yeah i think it's not just about these pipelines uh, like uh, a lot of countries uh, buying coal from russia and coal is much worse than gas for climate and uh, other countries can do a lot of things like uh, i know there, there are discussions to about some sanctions against uh, uh, people who are doing some bad things like uh, so yeah you and other countries can do a lot of things to help democratical, dem- democratic movements in Russia yeah so I, I think it's not just about pipelines and some big projects like that
4: yeah yeah it all has to link um, Okay, well, thank you guys all so much um, for doing this. Um, I really appreciate it and good luck with everything. It's really amazing what you're doing. Um, I'm sure everyone who listens will agree.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for um, putting us on the spot because I think it's really important for media, international or any media, to um, raise awareness about the activists that um, are present in Russia. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pushkin House podcast. This episode was presented and edited by Ada Wordsworth and produced by Yorick Donovitkopf. The series producer was me, Rafi Hay. Our thanks to Arshak Makichian, Dasha Khamaza, and Daria Nofrieva. For more podcasts, blogs, videos, and online events, check out pushkinhouse.org and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.